We've all been hurt. We all carry scars. We can all overcome these things and be healed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's build that relationship together right here. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sanctuary. So good to have you with us as always. And if this is your first time joining us, let me just say welcome. Now, we're going to continue working through the book of Ephesians. And this time we'll be in the last part of chapter 5. And we're going to go through the first part of chapter 6. Now, Paul has laid out the foundation of what the church is for us as Christians. And we've seen how to start implementing that by being the church and in our day-to-day living as we interact with others. Now we're going to see what it means in our own homes, specifically our personal relationships with loved ones. And and then after that, we're going to see uh, just a little bit of uh, how it carries on into our work lives as well. So, you know, because let's face it, you know, as adults, we spend a lot of time at work. In some cases, we spend more time at work than we even do at home, right? So um, this is important. And as we're going to see, this section is one of the most abused parts of the Bible by many. You know, to say it's taken out of context is putting it mildly. So we're going to go through it and we're going to put it back into context as we look at it piece by piece, verse by verse. All right. So join me now in Ephesians 5, verse 21. The Bible says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, before we go any further, let me tell you. I've already said it once. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it several times as we go through here. We're breaking this down piece by piece. Many of you already know the arguments that come from twisting these 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 verses. All right. So let me make one thing clear right here and right now, starting in this verse. Submitting to one another does not mean you are a doormat for anyone to walk on. It does not mean that either party is to just bend over backwards to the wishes of anyone, especially if it goes against God's will. The thing I want you to keep in mind as we go through the rest of this section is how Jesus submitted. All right. In Philippians two, uh, chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. We all submit to the will of Jesus. And Jesus, I'll remind you, submitted to the will of the Father. All right. And It is his example that we should follow when it comes to how we submit. Remember the last time we discussed, what would Jesus do? That is the same question that we need to be asking here. And the fact that we see this first first is important because it's saying that men and women, both, both of them need to submit to one another, not just one to the other. All right. Now, as we're going into this next part, let me preface with this. Yes, we're about to talk about wives, but after that, we're also going to talk about husbands as well. You know, that that peace that people like to forget about, you know, so hold on. 
thing, you know, we're going to talk hard here. Things are going to get tough. We're also going to, uh, you know, as we go through this, I want you to notice how the Bible talks about married couples as husband and wife. Not husband and husband, not wife and wife, not husband and wives, or vice versa, as in polygamy. Marriage is one man and one woman as they were born in God's perfect creation. And that's the bottom line because his word says so. All right. So um, off of uh, my rabbit trail here, and let's get back into it. All right. So starting in Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 24. The Bible says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the Lord is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Again, ladies, you are not a doormat. You're not a punching bag. Nobody should be walking over you, especially your husband. Jesus did not abuse the church. He didn't do it physically. He did not do it emotionally. He did not do it mentally. Nor should any man abuse you, nor should you tolerate it. All right. A lot of boys, and that's what they are, they're not men. A lot of boys will twist this up. As if they are the end-all, be-all, with a license to do as they wish, which is not the case. All right, but what we're seeing here, the way it's laid out in the Bible um, by Paul, you know, this stems from the Roman custom of the head of the family being given the power to make important family decisions. So, for the wife, this means that she should be following her husband's leadership in worshiping God. All right. God, the husband is the spiritual leader of the household. All right. One of the most important reasons for Christians to marry Christians, because if he's not worshiping God, then at some point you're going to run into trouble. It's not if, but when. All right. And we'll get, we'll, 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 we're going to circle back to that a little bit later as well. Um, but I'll remind you as a Christian, we cannot let anyone or anything come between us and our relationship with the Lord. Not even family, okay? God comes first. And of course, this means that important life decisions that need to be made, they do need to be taken to the husband as well. You know, a conversation does need to be had. You know, choices need to be reviewed and then a decision is made. Now, when I put it that way, it sounds a bit like a trans, uh, business transaction, right? So where does the submission come into play here? Well, that's actually when we're giving something up for the choice, you know, what, what, when we're weighing things out to see what the better option is. For instance, um, you know, you're looking to buy a house and you find that one that hits all the check marks. I mean, it's just absolutely perfect. It's what you've been looking for. It's what you've been hoping for. It's what you've been praying for. The caveat to that, though, is that you're going to have to commute 50 miles away instead of the eight miles that you're used to. You're going to have to fight over an hour of traffic one way and then the other um, at the end of the day when you're looking to go home. You know, the convenience of a short trip to work or to see friends disappears very quickly, and you're going to see that, that price tag go up as you're going to be spending a lot more money on gas, right? So we submit the sacrifice, you know, uh, you know, uh, 
of certain things for what we see as the greater choice. You know, you want this this absolutely amazing house that is just absolutely perfect for you, or do you want something less than just to have some convenience, right? Uh, and it's not just that. You know, we see the same thing in pretty much everything. You know, buying cars, sometimes even eating out. You know, um, it, it, pretty much everywhere you go, you have options. You have choices. People like choices. And it's really just weighing them out to see what the better option is, right? You know, what are you going to give up in order to get that better choice? All right, so um, back into our reading, uh, Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 27. Aha, now this is the part where we're looking at the husbands. The Bible says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. You know, I, I love this. I love this. So while wives should submit to their husbands, husbands should die for their wives. Say what? What did Christ do for the church? He died for it. He sacrificed himself for it. All while providing the best example for everyone to follow. Heck, he knew he was going to the cross. And what did he do? He washed the disciples' feet, right? That's what, you know, that's, you know, one of the allegories that we're seeing that it's talking about here, washing with water through the word. Well, you know, he literally washed their feet. All right, men, we should be putting ourselves to death daily, not in the literal sense of, you know, no, you know, nobody should be out there looking for a way to harm themselves. No. All right. But we should be picking up our cross daily. This means we should be putting our personal wants and desires to the side for our wives. Men are to be the spiritual heads of the family, leading it to Christ. All right. Let me say that again. Men are to be the spiritual heads of the family, leading the family to Christ. All right. And just as Christ served the disciples, husbands should be serving their wives and their families. You know, a, a Christian man doesn't take advantage of his family. He doesn't take advantage of his wife. He doesn't abuse them. He doesn't rebuke them for his own desires. He submits to the service of his wife and family to do what's best for them ahead of himself. <laughs> Remember, uh, you know, in the, within the last couple of weeks, I mentioned joy, J-O-Y, Jesus first, others next, then yourself. Gentlemen, take that to heart, literally. That should be something that you should all be remembering. Jesus first, others next, and then yourself. All right, that is what the Bible is saying. That's what, that's what it is to be a servant leader, all right? That, that's what it is to be the head of the household, the head of the family, all right, when, you know, just following the example that Jesus gave us. See, when husbands and wives worship together, when they serve one another, when they love one another, and they respect one another, then marriage becomes much easier. All right, I'm not going to say it becomes easy because you're always having to work, right? But it does become easier. And when you look at the book of Almost, chapter 3, verse 3, the Bible says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? 
You can't walk forward together unless you both agree to submit and move together as one. All right. This is the same as, you know, what's what we refer to as being equally yoked. You know, we're talking about teamwork here, people. The husband is the team captain and the team can either succeed or fall apart under his leadership or lack thereof. Right. We could get much more into, deeper into that analogy, but we're not going to. You know what I'm saying? All right, so back to Ephesians 5, uh, verses 28 through 30. The Bible says, In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are all members of his body. All right. Christian marriage. It is the high bar for what marriage is supposed to be in the world. The top tier, the top shelf. It's all the way up there at the tippy top. All right. Number one. It is what little girls think of when they're planning out their fairy tale weddings. It's what all the great love stories and the shows base theirs off of. That image of the white gown with that perfect music and or scenery. You know, people who love themselves only are selfish. But those who love others first are selfless. All right. And are, are you know, those who are self, selfless. They don't abuse others. They don't hurt others. They, you know, those themselves are acts of selfish cowards. Wives are important. And how husbands should treat, love, and respect them is important. That is why Paul emphasizes how men should love their wives more than he tells wives to submit to them. Man, this is telling you not to abuse your place of power, all right? He has to emphasize this more. Why? Because we're the ones who are most likely to mess up, plain and simple, all right? The, the whole, you know, Spider-Man thing, you know, great power comes great responsibility. Well, you know what? That's, that is actually a reality, and that's what we're looking at here, all right? When, when you are the spiritual head of your family... That has great responsibility, whether you like it or not. All right, let's look at the last few verses before we move into chapter 6. Ephesians 5, verses 31 through 33. All right. The Bible says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ in the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Marriage is the union of one man and one woman. And in this union, what affects one affects the other. This right here is what we refer to as oneness of marriage. All right. I'm sure a lot of you have heard that term before. Now, being united, this doesn't take away 
either person's individuality, their you know, or their their personalities, in other words. All right. However, you do learn, you know, that that give and take, you know, that that push and pull, because as you grow together, you begin to anticipate each other's needs and you help better one another. All right. You know, a good example is, you know, when we're going out, my wife knows, um, especially in the morning, uh, you know, a lot of you know, I am not a morning person. My mom would be one of the first people to tell you. I am not a morning person. Matter of fact, my wife calls me bear because when I wake up, it is grunts and groans and it's, you know, sounding like a Tim Allen show, right? I am not a morning person um, whatsoever. The first hour or so, it take, it, I have to get up and start moving. It, I just want to be left alone to wake up and just get going into my thing. And my wife knows this very, very well. So if we have to get up in the morning, you know, early to go out and do something, you know, start running those errands, that sort of stuff, you know, because on those days when I don't have work and I don't have time to, you know, or I don't really get up and get myself going before I go out into the world to, you know, start talking to people and everything, what, you know, what happens is, I'll wake up, I get cleaned up, I get dressed, and we head right out the door. I'm still in that process of getting going. And my wife knows that the best thing for me at that point is to get me some coffee. Right? Even though we're on the road, some coffee. And she'll try not to to talk to me too much because she knows I'm not going to be very good at conversation at this point because I'm I'm still revving up my... I am very much a swing shift and a night shift kind of guy. I've never been an early day kind of person unfortunately you know uh, there's even though there's times i you know i really wish i was uh that's not the way the lord built me and that's okay that's because the lord has other things in plan in, in mind for me right just as he does for all of us but that's just one example of many uh you know of how you learn to anticipate one another right all right um so Moving on, you know, I, I could spend hours talking about the whole husband and wife thing, and all that, you know, some people have. It's we we can we can spend a lot of time on it. We're gonna we're gonna start kind of twisting that or winding that down though as we're looking to other aspects of familial uh, familial life. Say that five times real fast. Familial life. My goodness. All right. Um, so we're gonna do that as we move into Ephesians chapter 6 now. So starting in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, children, yep, we're looking at the kids now. All right, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. So, just as a husband and wife have a responsibility to one another, the same is there between parents and their children as well. Yes, parents can be demanding and unreasonable and just downright unfair at times, right? Um, we all know that. We've all had parents, you know, or step-parents or, you know, foster parents, but we've all had parents. However, children, children should still be obedient to their parents and they should still submit to them. All right. Parents... Parents, we need to, to, you know, be careful. You know, we need to take care and we need to look out for 
our children as well, but we need to make sure that we're doing it in love. When we're in angry anger, you know, we've talked about this in the past, we need to get make sure that we have control over that so that we're not sinning and we're not taking things out on our kids, all right? Even when they're being disobedient, disrespectful, and just an overall pain in the butt, right? You know, I, I saw a meme the other day you know, as, as a parents, and they were meeting with the teacher, and it said, you know, your children really is my favorite when they aren't here, all right? Sometimes... It's hard to be a parent. It really is. However, how you treat and raise your child is how they will treat others when they go out into the world. Proverbs 22, verse 6, the Bible says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Parents, your children are are a reflection of you and your household. All right? And, you know, it's a reflection of how you've raised them. So if they are disrespectful, disobedient, you know, little terrors, guess what? Whose fault is it? Yours. It is yours. You know, because you as a parent have control over your your kid's life. You know, and so, some of you, oh, I can't be there. I have to work. You know what? Guess what? I spent years as a single parent. I understand, and I can also tell you, if you're making excuses for your absence, that's just a bigger example of how you are at fault, and you need to pray on that and look to fix that, plain and simple, all right? And it's not just how you treat your kids, and not, and it's not just how you're there for your kids, it is also about how you treat your spouse and how you are there for your spouse as well. All right, there's a whole lot that goes into this, whether you're present or not, whether you treat people with respect or not, if you take your anger out on them or you show them love. All right, there's so many aspects that go into this. But like the Bible says, you train up your kids and that's how they will go as they grow older, right? Whereas if you have wonderful kids, guess what? Congratulations, you've done a good job. You've done what the Lord's told you to do, right? Some of you, on the other hand, are in absolute denial about your kids. I will tell you this, you know, as being someone who currently works in the, the public school system, um, a lot of you are in total denial and you need to actually take a step back and uh, do some evaluation, some honest, sincere evaluation and you need to make some changes. <laughs> I will share that with you uh, right now. I saw it, you know, in healthcare. I saw it years ago when I worked in law enforcement. Um, you know, there there are some parents out there. You know, maybe it's because we were the latchkey kids. I don't know, but some of us really need to take a step back and uh, do some evaluation. Um, moving on, though, rabbit trails here. All right. Um, all, all this together, though, you know, if it seems familiar, um, it, it should be because it's actually referenced, you know, here uh, at the beginning of chapter six here. Um, and what's what is it referencing? Well, um, quite simple. Deuteronomy chapter five, verse 16, you know, so back, going all the way back to the Ten Commandments. And that's why I'm saying it's the first commandment with a promise, because it says, honor your father and your mother and uh, I'm sorry, honor your, your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long 
and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. All right. So this is talking about like when the Jews were were going were working their way back through, um, you know, in a they're in the desert and Moses came down with the tablets and everything. You know, this is one of the Ten Commandments and it's, it's the first one that actually had a promise. It wasn't just don't do this or do this. It was do this so that this will happen. All right. So he's explaining the importance of it, which as parents, that is a great example for us to take to heart because we shouldn't just tell our kids, do this, don't do that. We should be explaining to them why they should or should not be doing things, right? As part of being a parent, um, you know, and honoring and obeying here, you know, as we move along here, let's take a look at these two words because they are two different things. They're two very distinct things. Obeying is to do as one is told. And we should all obey God. You know, that's part of our duty as Christians is to obey God. If you're a Christian, this is what you do. You know, to honor, on the other hand, it means to love and to respect. You know, it's to, you know, you, to, another way of saying to cherish. All right. Children should obey their parents when they're young and still living under their ward. However, this isn't the case as they grow up and they move out. You know, should they still obey their parents, you know, when their parents are trying to care for them? Yes. However, when a parent is abusive, guess what? The buck stops there. When you become an adult, things change as well, don't they? Right? When you become an adult, things change drastically. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, um, that's 1 Corinthians 13, 11. The Bible says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Meaning when you become an adult, things change and you take on certain responsibilities. You need to stop being a kid. You need to grow up. And let's face it, there's a lot of you know uh, adults out there who still act as children and do, uh, play with child, childish things that they need to put away. <laughs> Right. You know, one one of the things here is that does need to continue, though, is to honor your parents, to love, respect your parents, to cherish your parents, you know, to love and respect them your entire life. Even after they're gone, you still need to love. You still need to respect them, you know, and, you know, and you need to when when they start getting older, you need to care for them when they can no longer care for themselves. Right. Uh, you know, I've talked about this before, you know, in relation to military service and everything, and as well as being a first responder, you know, part of, you know, uh, the heart of doing that is to be able to be there to serve people when they can't or will not take care of themselves. And the same thing comes to our parents. You know, if you think about it, there are certain cultures where respecting and looking out for your elders is something of great importance. You know, this is one of their, 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 their most important things. All right. You think about it, you know, it's not like here in the States where a lot of elder people are just tucked away into nursing homes and retirement villages and just kind of, you know, forgotten about. Because um, let's face it, you know, that happens a lot, um, you know, in other countries, you know, um, and it's not that does not come down to just a matter of money. It, it really doesn't because there are some places where they can afford it. Um, however, what they do is they view the medical facilities as just that. They're there for the medical part of it if, the, if somebody doesn't, need to be there for their their daily living you know routines and everything guess what they stay home with the family and the children and the grandchildren take care of 
their 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 elders, right? They're loved and respected to a much higher degree than what we see just here in this area and in many other countries. Right, especially in Asian cultures, and they, you know, they they love their elders. They take great care to look out for their elders, you know. And really, when you think about it, this is how Christians should treat everyone, because when this happens, let me tell you, having a long life is no longer a curse, but a blessing. And let me tell you, if you're not, if you're out there and you don't feel loved and you don't feel you know, respected and all, you know, and cherished and all, have, you know, for some, some of these people having a long life is very much a curse. You know, that whole, you know, joke that's out there, you know, like, you know, it's like death. Did you forget about me? That is very real for some of these people, you know, so, you know, very much, you know, I, I encourage you, you know, when you see your elders, show them respect, let them know that you see them, that you hear them, that they are loved. If you have a chance to talk with them, talk with them because they have many wonderful things to share from a generation that's quickly disappearing. All right. Um, so, you know, like I said, when Christians treat people with this respect, with this love, when they honor people as they should, having a long life is not a curse. It is a blessing. All right. Continuing on in Ephesians uh, 6, verse 4. All right. I know we're going to go a little bit longer here today, people. Um, bear with me, though. We, we do need to get through this, and I'll try not to go off on any more rabbit trails. All right. So Ephesians 6, verse 4, the Bible says, Fathers or parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. You know, these, these days, people, they seem to take great pride in upsetting others. The angrier they can make them, the better, especially, you know, when you look at social media. It's like, oh, what, what can I do to push your buttons today? You know, you know, they, they, you know, people take great pride. Like, oh, yeah, I, I ticked this guy off. Oh, boy, you're pissed, right? You know, you see these posts almost daily anymore, you know. And matter of fact, even to, you know, they go, they go along the lines of literally saying things like, if I haven't offended you yet, don't worry, I will. You know, and that in itself, it's not a good mentality to have, especially when it comes to your children and vice versa, you know, everything parents should be doing is should be done in loving and empowering manners, right? Parents, you need to be building your children up, you know, not just spiritually, but in how they live, all right? We should be setting the example as well. You know, we should be setting the example for them just as Jesus did for us all while leading them to Jesus. You know, the world likes to say respect is earned. It's not given. However, you will never earn respect if you don't give it. And if you're not respecting anyone, I'm here to tell you, you don't love them as Jesus did. You're not following, you know, one of the greatest commandments that's been put out there. You need to give respect, even if you don't get it. Continuing on in Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 9. The Bible says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters and res- uh, excuse me, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor, 
when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism within him. All right, so slaves had a tremendous role to play in history. We've discussed this in the past. You know, people would even, you know, put themselves in a slavery to pay debts. You know, we've we've gone on at length. We don't need to go into that today, especially for time's sake. You know, um, however, this does apply to another part of our lives. When you look at this, um, it applies to us as employees and employers as well. Now, I do like the way it puts in here, not only to win their favor when their eye is on you. So don't be a kiss butt, right? Don't, you know, don't be a kiss ass. Don't be brown nosing or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, harsh words. Remember, I told you we're talking hard today. Um, you know, not pulling any punches or anything. Let me put it, you know, in real talk, you know, because this, let's face it, this is the way we talk, right? You know, um, people, they, they, they like to demand top dollar. However, they demand that top dollar for poor work and even worse ethics. People want to be the boss, yet when they're asked to do something extra, they like to throw things out there like, oh, that's not my scope of work. That's, that's not what I do. And yes, there are those managers, supervisors, etc., who are just really poor at their positions. You know, failing upwards, it is very much a thing in the world that, you know, we live in. You know, the, it's a, the whole thing of who you know versus what you know. And people do get into positions based off of that a lot more than they should, Right. You know, uh, they 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 do. They they network. They play their connections, which it is unfortunate because, unfortunately, when that happens, you look at our education system today. I can actually, uh, you know, well, we won't go down that child. You look at our education system today, though, and, and you can see where a lot of people have failed upwards. Where a lot of people have gotten into positions based off of who they know, not what they know, and unfortunately. That has put it, run it down into the ground where we don't see the success that other um, states, other countries, you know, do have, uh, right? Because um, we, we don't have the right people in the right places. Um, yet, you know, I digress. You know, that's but it's it's not just there. We see that everywhere. We see that in healthcare. We see that in business across the board. Uh, you know, you you would be hard pressed to find very many organizations out there where something like this hasn't happened and doesn't continue to happen um, outside of small business, right? Um, and even small businesses, there are some that are impacted as well. Um, so failing upwards is very much a thing. You know, there are people with tremendous resumes, you know, and great recommendations and they get passed over for other employees with little to no experience, but they're friends with, you know, the, the powers that be. It happens. However, as Christians, the way we respond should be higher. It should be better than what it is. God has put each of us in a position for a reason. And no job is meaningless. No job should be looked down on. And the way we approach our jobs and the way we do our work should be as if Jesus was our manager, as if that's who we were directly resp- resp- reporting to 
at that job. Because in the scheme of life, if you think about it, he really is. And in his eyes, we are all equal. Sadly, many of us treat our work like we do the church. Right? We show up. We give minimal effort. And then we leave and we put it behind us until we go back to work. Unless we're complaining or griping about something. Yet, at the end of it, we demand that great payout at the end. As if we are the best employee that that company has. Like, they cannot function without us, right? So, thinking about that and how we approach work. Now, try to imagine how Jesus views you when you're at work. Right? Your work, your income, your co-workers, your customers, clients, patients, etc. They're all blessings. Yet how do the vast majority of us go through the day? How do you treat them and how do you talk about them? Probably not as a Christian should. You know, your friends, sure, but anybody outside of that little circle... Probably a bit more like a spoiled brat or worse, right? When I was growing up, I had a classmate. His dad was a prominent doctor in town, all right? His parents had divorced. His siblings had moved away with his mom um, while he stayed behind with his dad. It was just the two of them. Well, graduation was coming up, and his dad decided to do something nice for him. He bought him a... A brand new car. He took his truck, traded it in, bought him a brand spanking new car. Now, most of us would be pretty excited about that, right? Even a new used car, you know, is something that we still get excited about, isn't it? Well, my classmate, he didn't want that. Instead, an argument ensued because he did not want the car. Instead, he wanted his truck back that had already been traded in with a new sound system. He got so heated over this that when his dad was leaving for work, he went to the gun cabinet, took out a rifle, loaded it, and then proceeded to fire it and unload it on his dad as he was backing out of the driveway to go to work. The car came to a halt. Realizing what he did, he called 911 began CPR. However, it was too late. His dad was beyond life-saving measures. He was dead. And my classmate missed out on a bright future and spent time in state prison instead. An act of anger led to an act of sin, which took him down an entirely different path. Why do I tell you this? Why do I bring this up? Why, what, you know, what's the point? Well, I'll tell you. Every time we take our blessings, no matter how great or how small we see them, every time we take our blessings and we bash them, we're driving those nails into Jesus. Every time we act out in hate, we're putting him back up on that cross. As Christians, we are held to a higher standard. And we need to see our fellow Christians and our fellow man as equals and stop looking down on them. We need to stop talking down on them. We need to lift one another up and empower one another in Christ. We need to stop demanding 
others respect us when we aren't treating each other with the same respect. Remember, we talked about the golden rule before. We need to submit to one another in love and in Christ. And that, that right there is the very heart of the church. All right, that's our time. Remember, you are loved, you are blessed. Go and be the church. We'll catch you next time. Thank you all for joining us here today at Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Please like, subscribe, and share our podcast on any platform it is that you tune into us on. If you do have any questions, any prayer requests, or would like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on our website at BeTheLightSanctuary.org or on Facebook at Be The Light Sanctuary. Uh, you can also find how to contact us there, whether it's direct message or email. We look forward to hearing from you all. God bless.